Hello, everybody, and welcome to the brink. Why are you looking at me funny? I was going to say the Oz Network. I was like, that's not what it is, but I couldn't remember what it was. We are here for everybody's favoriteest podcast this is in the entire known universe. It is the brink. It's funny, I say that about every single one of the podcasts that I'm involved in. But I would have to say that the brink would easily be one of them. Um, just because it's it's <laughs> great. Ha 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 ha. Get it? <laughs> I do get it. You do? Little Lena and Woodley. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing. Nothing wrong with little Lena Woodley. How how are you this week? I am great. Really? Yeah. My tummy's a little upset because I ate a lot of food. You did. Um, the time of recording this, we're uh, sort of in the last supper that we're uh, getting ready to go keto because apparently that's how we roll. So lots of uh, cheese and chicken and bacon and lettuce and shit. Um, we spent like $113 on like four grocery items this week, which I was pretty excited. Ben was so offended. Well, like, I mean, I thought like legitimately we were going to be on a good roll this week, but then we paid like $7 for a bottle of tomato sauce. $7 for a bottle. Can we just let that sink in for a moment, people? $7 for a bottle of sugar-free, naturally sweetened tomato sauce. And I bet you it's going to taste like ass. Probably. But, like, this is the lengths we are going to to look beautiful. Well, you already look beautiful. But the lengths I'm going to to not look as ugly for the wedding and to just pass off as okay. Yes. I'm glad you agree with me. Um, you meant to say, you're very attractive, Ben. You don't need to look that. You're very attractive, Ben. You don't need to do any of this. So sad that I have to preempt her to, like, compliment me, isn't it? Um, but, but like, $7 for a bottle of tomato sauce. And then it was, like, $8 for a bottle of naturally... <sighs> grown aioli i don't know you can grow aioli i don't know what was it that we got who even knows you you do you just you just you're not thinking yes <laughs> the answer was yes uh, uh-huh yeah what do you want me to say something I'm trying to see if you're alive and it's gonna hold the microphone in front of your face see if you actually talk for once uh no talk Talk. Well, we just went and saw a movie, and I loved it, so... Download our Rocket Man spoiler-free review, now available on the Oz Network. Beautiful. What did you like about it? It was great. What did you like about it? It was it was fantastic. <laughs> what did you like about it? All things. All things. Yep. The gay sex scene? No. You didn't like that? No. Is that because you're homophobic? Yes. <laughs> oh, that was... <laughs> wow. Uh... <laughs> Hello to all our... Come back. No, I'm just sexophobic. I don't like any sex scenes. <laughs> sexophobic. <laughs> what does that even mean? Afraid of sex. <laughs> I don't know. I, I can't speak on that comment. I'm sorry. Move on. Um, so how else has the week been? Good? Yep. 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 <laughs> <laughs> that just plateaued and died, apparently. Um... So, how's things? <laughs> it's actually, can I just be, I'll be serious for a second. Um, it's cold now because we, uh, we, uh, well, at the time of listening to this, we're in June, so it's officially winter. So our very first Invercargill winter, our very first New Zealand winter. Are you, are you liking the coldness? Yes. And the rain. The rain. Here the rain in the Spain. Rain. Here comes the rain again. Where's a Eurythmics movie? I'd go watch that. Who Who's an artist you'd want to go see a movie based on? Like DC Talk? Heck yeah! 
How'd that be about high? We sing about Michael Jesus. Tate, Michael Tate and Matthew... Uh-oh, he has a last name. And... Oh my gosh, Toby Mac? Come on, that'd be great. I want to see the Marky Mark story. Yes. <laughs> Actually, and then mix in with Donnie. I want to see the New Kids on the Block story. Because I, I really like Donnie Wahlberg. Can I just point that out? Like, as somebody who's watched Blue Bloods for all seasons, I don't know why, but I have... I love the fact that Donnie Wahlberg is basically just exactly the same as he is in real life. He doesn't even act in Blue Bloods. He's actually a decent actor. And this is a guy who was basically in the hottest boy band. Well, pretty much the first, like, teeny boy band of that nature. Well, I mean, I get technically the Beatles were sort of boy band. But, like, you know what I mean? Like, you would argue the New Kids on the Block were the first of this sort of no-instrument boy band that dance and look pretty. Yes. But, like, that was Donnie Wahlberg. Like, he was... This this would be like if, I don't know, Nick Carter all of a sudden became this Hollywood A-lister. Well, I mean, I guess Justin Timberlake sort of didn't. He was in NSYNC. But um, what are you looking up? Are you trying to find what Donnie Wahlberg looked like in New Kids on the Block? Um, in- <laughs> <laughs> Show me. Oh, my gosh. Wait, 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 wait. Where's This that? is really good for our listeners right now as we look up Donnie Wahlberg. You've been watching Wahlbergers. I actually don't mind it's actually Wahlberg. a great show. They're hilarious. You do realize that he had a reality show with his wife. Look at him with his blonde hair and his little... It's not a do-rag on a white person. What's it called on a white person? Handkerchief? Um, Handkerchief. Oh my gosh, what is that called? A do-rag. Let's <laughs> call it a do-rag. <laughs> it's not called a do-rag on a white person. Do-run, run, run, a do-run, run. Um, yeah, anyway... Uh, the the Mark Wahlberg the Wahlberg stories it's called Wahlbergalicious um, I'm still it's waiting for DC talk Jesus is still all right with them the DC talk story um, anything else that you want to talk about me Jesus is still uh, Jesus is still all right with Mallory uh, we're gonna go back into another segment and come back with a quiz very shortly <laughs> last week we did something a little bit different with our flashback area of the show of course for those who uh, haven't tuned in lately we have run out of classic moments from best of of the brink so we are bringing you a classic radio soap opera that we used to do on this very show it was called days of our pies it ran for three seasons it wasn't very good but we tried our very best that's the motto i believe of the brink we are now into episode two from season one Let's hear exactly what is happening in Ramsey Bay. Or at least what was happening back when we did this segment. Previously on Days of Our Pies. Well, hello there. My name is Lisa Muffin, and I have just arrived from the United States of America to your wonderful small town. My lord, you are beautiful. How about you and I go grab some lunch? That sounds like a mighty fine idea. Oh my god, it's Billy Muslimar and his illegitimate father, Roy Bolasirio. They have been shot. Like pastry in the oven, these are the days of our pies. I'm Lisa Jones, and these are the days of our pies. After the shocking events outside the general store, both Billy Muesli Bar and his illegitimate father Roy Bowler Serial were rushed to hospital after both were shot. Town policeman Frank Cakeman awaited by their bedside with the general store owner, George Pyman. 
Ah, oh, Jennifer, why must the world be such a horrible place? Why must terrible things like this happen to good people? And why, oh why must we have to wait so long for the test results? George, Jennifer is outside. It's me, Frank. Ah, oh, sorry about that. That's okay, George. To answer your question, I don't know why. All I know is that whoever did this must be caught. You're absolutely right, Frank. They must be caught quick. For all we know, they are out there still and ready to shoot someone else. I'll deal with that, my friend. I have an entire force looking for that son of a bitch. And we'll stop at nothing until we find him. Just then, the newest town resident, Lisa Muffin, comes in to see how Billy and Roy are going. My God, how horrible this day is. The first day I arrive in town and such a tragedy happens. How are the two fine young gentlemen? They're doing just fine, Miss Muffin. Might I say you're looking mighty fine yourself. We are just waiting for the test results to come. To see how they are coping and if they will need surgery. Have they woken up yet? Did they say who shot them? No, they've yet to say anything. It's just a matter of time until they do and we can get closer who did this to them. It's such a tragedy. Billy was just studying school and doing well. And Roy just got that job down at the local butcher and was finally getting it all together. I know. I even heard that Roy was searching for Billy's mother. It's terrible. All of a sudden, Roy starts to open his eyes. Oh my god. He's opening his eyes. Roy. Roy, can you hear me? Uh, uh, it's okay, Roy. Take your time. Uh, uh, what happened? You were shot, Roy. Shot by a gun. And we really like for you to tell us you did it. Billy! Where's me Billy? He's right next to you, Roy. He's doing fine. We just need you to tell us who shot you. Roy wakes up and thinks before noticing Lisa nearby. Uh, I know you. You're Billy's mother! Is Lisa Billy's mother? Will Roy and Billy recover? Will Frank find the shooter? And where on earth is Jennifer? Find out next time on Days of Our Pies. We are back for more emergency questions. It is technically Mallory's turn to ask these, but apparently I'm still doing them. Richard Herring's, uh, we've only got like four more weeks of these to do. What are we going to have to come up with a new thing to do? Because we're up to 421 to 440. So, um, you know, just uh, if anyone doesn't know what these are, Richard Herring did a book of emergency questions and uh, we are asking all of them because why not? Are you ready? I am ready. 421. What do you consider to be the most impressive achievement of Simon de Montford? Don't know who that is. I'm going to answer what Richard said and said they named Lester Polly after him. I don't know who it is either. So, how do you pronounce scone? It depends. Sometimes I say scone. Or scone. And sometimes I say scone. Rich says, I pronounce it the only correct way. Scone. Anyone who says scone is a fucking idiot. Or it could be the other way around. That's You would have had that poster on your wall if you were in like 1989 and like 13. <laughs> She's still on the Donnie Wahlberg train here at the moment. Uh, 423. What is the highest number that you have ever successfully counted up to from one? Probably like 100. I'd say like three. Uh, 424. If your view on religion turned out to be wrong, which belief system would be your second choice? Hinduism. Interesting. <laughs> I love Rich says, I wouldn't mind a crack at being Amish. Um, well, if my view on religion turned out no, to be... you want to be Mormon. I do. I've always said that if I was become religious, I'd become Mormon. So, uh, Although, if, again, if my viewpoint on religion was proved wrong, then I've got free range to choose whatever I want because then clearly you think it's pretty sexy, don't you? 
Look at that face. Yeah, he's saying, come to me. I might put a roofie in your drink. Uh, 4.25. Do you remember Barnaby the Bear? No. I don't either. Uh, Rich says, yes, I do, but it might be the only one. Barnaby the Bear is my name. Never call me Jack or James. I will sing my way to fame because Barnaby the Bear is my name. La, 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 la. God, Jesus. Uh, (laughs) 4.26. What if God was one of us? You know that song? Um. Okay, this song was playing on the radio the other day, and then the next day at work, Sherelle was singing it. And then the entire time I was thinking a lot more people would be smited or smote or whatever the verb of to smite is. Veggie smite. <laughs> like, a lot more people would get slapped in the face. Um, I just that just reminds me of Awesome Powers. Uh, what if God was just a slob like one of us? Four twenty-seven. Uh, look, I don't know what the answer would be to that one. Sorry, I'm skipping over it. Um, yeah, I'd probably agree with you. Uh, but he's one of us, Michael Schumacher. Four twenty-seven. What's the best thing? Drugs suck. Yes. Four twenty-seven. <laughs> what's the best thing you've ever found down the back of a sofa? I'd say your phone because it's always bloody fallen down there. <laughs> Accurate. Have you found anything else behind? Like money. Okay. Drugs suck. Really? Drugs suck. Put the new kids on the block away. 428. Do you have an heirloom? No. Like, do I have one that have been given to me or one to hand down? Um, You are my heirloom. 429. Would you rather have an elbow made out of marshmallow or a foot that transformed into a werefoot every full moon? You need to sit up so I can put the microphone in front of Marshmallow elbow. I'd go for the wear foot because that'd be kind of cool. It's just a hairy foot. You just, you know. 4.30. If there was a TV quiz show with four contestants where the first prize was 10 million pounds, but if you came last, you were publicly executed, would you go on it? Also, second prize is a holiday, holiday in Portugal, and third prize is a 10-pound gift token. No, I would lose. It depends on what the quiz show was. Like, if it was, like, if I was in a room with, like, the three other smartest people in the world and it was, like, a quiz show on what's your favourite grape, then no, I wouldn't because I don't have a favourite grape. I don't like grapes. But if it was, like, a, a show where it was just tell us everything you know about shit, then I probably would give it a crack because who wouldn't want a £10 gift token? Give it a crack. Yes. I get it. 431. What's the most bizarre thing that's happened to you when you have been on drugs? Nothing. Nothing? Nope. I um, passed out on a toilet and I thought I was there for five minutes and I'd been in there for an hour. Like, literally felt like somebody was knocking on the door going, like, are you okay? And I'm like, yeah, I'm fine. And, like, you've been in there for an hour. I'm like, what? No, I've just, like, been in here for five. What are you talking about? Um, And also I felt like I was floating and... That was fun. But I've never taken drugs. What are you talking about? Um, it was, well, technically, one of the times I took those, it was legal in the state I was in. So, good on you, Colorado, for being a thing. 432. Have you ever considered writing a poetry book for young adults? Uh, no. Also, no. I've, I'd like to write a book, but poetry? I, I can't write poetry. Can we can? He can. He can. 433. What's the worst thing you've eaten for a bet? I've never eaten for a bet. Um, it wasn't a bet, but I've like been forced to drink that grass, like that, um, oh, that, that, you know, that grass that they snip and they put into like a blender and it's really good for you. Oh, um, it's like whey. Yeah. 
You know what I'm talking about. You know what I'm talking about. Maybe. I do not. Buckwheat. Yes. Somebody was just like, here, Ben, try this. And it was foul. And also it was, um, I didn't know what was, I didn't know what wasabi was. And somebody was like, oh, try this, Ben. It's just like barbecue sauce. And (laughs) safe to say that wasn't a smart decision. And I think like back, back when you were kids and you would go to, um, Pizza Hut, like all you can eat Pizza Hut, basically when you'd have all your scraps on your table, you would like shove all like your leftover pasta and pizza and ice cream and mix it all up into a drink and then we're going to do to drink it. So um, we did that to a kid at a hockey function once and he vomited his guts out and his parents weren't happy with us. So Beautiful. Um, yeah, thank you. I am. I am beautiful no matter what you say. Which do you prefer, Sudoku's or Kakuru, Kakorus. I don't know what that is. Sudoku. I'm going to say the other one because I don't know what it is. 435. Would you rather have an immortal goose that laid one golden egg every 50 years and you didn't know when it laid its last golden egg and it never laid normal eggs, or a mortal goose that would lay a regular egg every day, guaranteed, but due to goose illnesses and a short lifespan might die at any time, but also might live for however long an old goose lives. I really don't see the point of having a normal goose that lays normal goose eggs. I've never had a goose egg before. I don't really desire to eat a goose egg, and I feel having a goose would be a pain in the ass. At least if I had one that laid a golden egg, then it might lay one in my lifetime. There's a chance, and therefore I could be rich. I would also say golden egg goose. I agree, that's really good. 436. If you had a finger that could cure rectal cancer, but only if you pushed it hard up the anus of the cancer sufferer, would you cure anyone, everyone, or be like Jesus and just cure a few? Um. No. (laughs) You bitch. Saving it for yourself in the hope that one day you get rectal cancer. I would I would be the guy who like went on Oprah and shit and was like, I can cure cancer with my finger and I would go around and I would be rich and I would be famous and I wouldn't care if it just involved sticking my finger up people's butts because I would A be saving lives and I would be doing it and I would be getting rich. So what better way of getting rich than saving people's lives? Yes. Like, that sells itself. So, I would easily do it. No, I don't really want to go around sticking fingers up bums, but you're saving lives. So, you know. 437. Is this, like, the fourth time they've asked this question? What is your favourite colour? Still purple or I, they've, they've asked this... that colour that I always say. That blue. The, you like that? Yeah, red. Easily. 438. What is the most surprising thing or person that has ever leapt out at you? Probably my brother. Um... So much screaming happened in my household as a child. Yeah. Oh, I don't have a brother. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Mallory's brother. No, I don't. I don't know that. Yeah. 439. Are you now or have you ever been a member of the Communist Party of the United States? Nope. Yes. And for... Hello, FBI, if you're listening. And 440, if you had to invent a fifth season, which two other seasons would you put it in between... And what would happen during it? What? So, like, if you could create, like, a new summer, oh, winter... I understand. Fall again. You'd call it fall again? Yes. So, would that, where, where would that fall between? Would it fall and... Uh, spring and summer? I would call it deep winter, and it would fall after winter. And it would just be, like, an even colder winter. Because I'm that guy. 
Have you seen that meme on Facebooky? No, I've never seen a meme on Facebook. Don't know what you're talking about. There's like a... The Canada one about the different seasons. Yeah. Yes. It's funny. I remotely laughed. Okay. Okay, so uh, three more weeks of this to go. Awesome. We'll come back with more of them next week. (laughs) Going to take some time to be able to play you some classic interviews. We've done this in the past and uh, thought we uh, can do this every now and then as well. One of our big interviews that we had over the years was with a certain one-hit wonder from 1999, Mr. Lou Baker. You might remember him from such songs as Mumbo Number 5, end of sentence. And uh, we spoke to Lou about that song, about what he's been up to since... And just why Bob the Builder owes him money. Lou Baker has sold over 7 million albums around the world, as well as 6 million singles, and released one of the biggest songs of the 1990s, with Mumbo Number no. 5 reaching number 1 in over 20 countries around the world, including right here in Australia. I spoke to Lou about his amazing career, what he has been up to since his global hit song, as well as just why he has never visited Australia and chasing after Bob the Builder for some unpaid royalty. Lou, welcome to The Brink. Oh, good morning. Nice to have me. Thank you. <laughs> it's a huge pleasure to have you. Uh, indeed, a lot of our listeners are, are very excited to to hear from you. Uh, I mean, it's, it's been sort of 15 years uh, now since Mumbo Number no. 5, still going strong. Uh, must be hard to believe it's it's been that long since uh, you released the song. Absolutely uh, uh, um, surprising and astonishing. It's like 15 years, it sounds so long, but it's just, you know, a blink of an eye. Just yesterday in Berlin, I had a big 90s show. In, in a big hall, which is called the Velodrome, like 10,000 people danced to my music, and then I started realizing how old I must be. <laughs> <It's> just, <laughs> Hello, <laughs> 1999. That's like, uh, people would, would think it's like a black and white world, you know? <laughs> but actually, the internet started, right? We had no Facebook at this time. That's why, um, I, you, you see me, I'm, I'm just totally confused when we talk about 1990. So much stuff was going on, and uh, I still didn't really um, process it. Mm, it's, it's, it seems, it, to me, it doesn't seem like it was, you know, you hear 15 years ago and it doesn't feel that long. Uh, you know, the 90s to me only seemed like a couple of years ago. But um, it, it's incredible to think, too, sort of as you were saying, things like the internet have happened, Facebook, social media. I mean, we lived in a world in 1999 where even things like YouTube and that couldn't come along to, to help the success. So I think as, as big as the song became, uh, without those aids, I mean, it must sort of been incredible. As you say, exactly. That was like the last record that, that went to have a big success without all these new um, helpers, hmm. you know, like YouTube and Facebook. That was like the, old, the last old school record, you know, the conventional way of selling records after mama number five everything's changed yeah so really that's why it feels sometimes weird (laughs) (laughs) you could imagine to me yeah yeah yeah, definitely and and obviously sort of um you know released several albums since mumbo number five and as the music industry has has grown since then i mean how do you find adapting your career to the things that change things like youtube things like downloads and along the way of course um, um, a lot of stuff has changed as you mentioned that brought out several albums but especially between 2000 2001 and um and now so many things have changed i was on the brink to release my second album in 2001 in the states it was about um, august when uh, it uh, should have been released and 9 11 happened Mm -hmm. remember Mm -hmm. 
So there was no need for fun music, at least for like a year <laughs> in the U.S. So that was like a, a turning point. And from that day on, um, we brought out records um, like in all parts of the world, but we had to work them ourselves, more or less, you know? So some records like Sweet Like Cola came out in... In, in the Philippines and, and went big in the Philippines or in Switzerland and some neighboring countries wouldn't even know them. So and there was big changes going on and we're still adapting to this. But as far as it comes to shows and playing concerts, I'm like since 1999, I'm like all over the world still touring. So Mama Number no. 5 was a great helper. What was it, um, the driving force for you to become a musician? Was this sort of your dream from, from a young boy to become a, a musician? No, I wanted to become like a, a pet doctor first, and then a fireman, <laughs> then a soldier, then a nurse. <laughs> um, musician was like on number six, number seven. <laughs> but <laughs> honestly, um, uh, no, no one in my family was like a big musician. Um I sort of like slipped in it somehow. I, I, I brought out my first record in 1990, you know. Um, don't know how I did it. I just met the right people at the right time. And, and I enjoyed writing, you know. So I became a songwriter for the first um, part of my music career. And once you write songs and, and more and more and more, you get better and better. And then there was Mama Number 5 that me and a friend uh, wrote. And um, no one could really somehow um, uh, transported to stage so this was my beginning as a, a stage person and I, I read too that um, initially when you started in music you were a bit of a hip-hop artist you kind of uh, rent a bit of the rap uh, I mean how was this do you still want to you know bring out the rap beats every now and then Lou <laughs> yes yeah, you know that's how I started yes I started copying other rap artists in the 90s that was like my beginning because it's like the easiest um, entrance door to music you know, but that wasn't enough for me. I wanted to, you know, fight my own sort of way, you know, my own little stage persona. And, um, you know, that's how it was. And as you remember, in the 90s, there was a lot of, I mean, we, there was a thing called um, Euro dance, as you remember. <laughs> a little bit of singing, hook lines, and then just a five bar rap yep. in most of the songs. And that, that, those raps I, I, I wrote way back for a couple of artists in the 90s, and that was, like, my beginning, my start. Right, right. I love Eurodance music. I think if I had to say a favourite genre of music, I would probably say early to mid-90s dance music, so that Eurodance thing, you know. Uh, I've got the compilation CDs, you know, just always play them, and it, it was a great time for music, I think. And obviously for you, when you were getting into music yourself, it must have been so many influences and different styles that you were discovering along the way. Absolutely, and when you listen to, like, pop music um, of these days, of today, right, you, you feel a, a, a 90s influence, like a Eurodance influence to it. They sort of like took it and brought it on, onto their own plate somehow. And uh, funny, you're absolutely right. It was an amazing time. Yeah, and I also read that um, you discovered sort of the influence for Mumbo Number no. 5 during your time in, in Miami. Now, um, you know, this sort of led to kind of the, the, the feel to your music that you've always had. I mean, was this kind of for you as a musician the breaking point? This is what set you uh, on the path to the music that you would release? I think so. Now, when I look back, absolutely. 
while I was living in Miami, I was struggling, you know, and <laughs> I needed to make my life, I needed to, you know, survive, so I would just take any job that w w was given to me in studio, studio jobs, you know, splicing cables, um, making coffee for the producers and stuff, but of course that special blend of music that is around Miami would give me my break, you know, you, you have Cuba nearby, with their Afro-Cuban music. And then you have, of course, um, American pop music. And Mama Number no. 5 is like, you know, the blending, a little bit of uh, both worlds blending. So, absolutely. I, I needed Miami, even though it was a hard time as a person, as a struggling musician, you know, a cliche. It was, of course, needed for me, yeah. And it obviously all would pay out. I mean, uh, when you were recording and writing Mumbo Number no. 5, did you sort of sit down to yourself just before it was released and think, this has the opportunity to uh, become quite big? Oh, mm, not really. I knew either no one would like it <laughs> at all. It would be like a shelf kind of CD, you know, sitting in my shelf forever, like tons of other songs, or it would be special. You know, nothing else, nothing in between, mm -hmm. either way that. So, yeah, actually, I, I realized that deep in my heart, I knew it. But, you know, we human beings, we never trust our hearts. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yeah. As I, as I mentioned before, though, I would go on to huge success. I mean, number one in over 20 countries. I mean, had a World Music Award. Grammy nomination, you toured with Sher, uh, you know, the list goes on. I mean, was how was this period for you when it's coming out? Everyone's wanting to talk to you. Everybody's wanting to meet you. I mean, this must have just been an insane period in your life. You say it, it's an insane period. Absolutely. Everything just changed. And um, you have to know, in the year 98, 99, when I was still that struggling musician, but I had Mama Number no. 5 in my backpack, you know, that was the hardest time even on a personal family level, you know, my father died, you know, I couldn't pay my rent. Everything went sort of like downhill, right? And then Mamba 5 happened, and within like six months, I was sitting at Jay Leno's, at the Grammy Award shows, <laughs> interviews um, via, via satellite all around the world. So that was kind of hard to adjust, but normal. It was like the greatest thing that could ever happen. Since that day, as you could uh, imagine, in my personal opinion, nothing is impossible. And that's what I teach young kids. You know, I give like lessons on how to, you know, be successful as a teenager, as a young kid. And the rule number one is nothing is impossible. And, you know, as long as you put in your effort and if you believe in yourself, really nothing is impossible. And, and my life is, is a good, um, you know, shower to that. Wow. Great message. I love hearing that. I mean, after after that release, we're talking about your, your second album that would eventually come. Is there pressure that you feel then to think, I've had all this success, I've got to follow it up with something bigger or just as big? Yes. That was actually kind of easy for me not to fall in this trap because Mama Number no. 5 was so huge that I knew even way back that to top that would be a goal that just would be stupid and foolish, you know, to, to believe in. So only thing I could do is, you know, go on and have fun and then try to play shows as much as I can. But I, I was pretty realistic even way back 
that topping such something like this impossible? Well, I think a lot of people sort of, I mean, a lot of the reason why we, we sort of tracked you down, a lot of people keen to hear from you is that I think a lot of people haven't really heard too much, um, you know, since Mumbo number five and they're intrigued to see how, how you're going. So when it sort of comes to performing in some places, do a lot of people, you know, call out for Mumbo number five and then discovering that you've released other songs and fall in love with your music even more so? Oh, yeah, that's true. Absolutely. That happens kind of often, you know, they, they come to the show and then they start realizing, oh, there's at least like six, seven, eight, nine, ten songs that are easily not better than Mumbo five, but, you know, as good as, you know, and of course, that happens still. Even though we have the internet and it should be easier, but, you know, once you disappear, like, from uh, the American roster, you know, um, of course, people all over the world can't be um, following me in Germany or in Europe, you know, so that is actually a good, um, good point, you know, come to the shows, find out, or just go on the internet, you know, and type in my name and you'll find out, wow, this guy is not dead. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's, it's great the internet sort of what we're talking before now with things like YouTube and, and social media. I mean, you have a Facebook page, you're on Twitter, your website sort of it connects you to all this new music. And I mean, your new album um, that came out last year, uh, a little bit of 80s, all 80s covers, uh, you know, from the reception I'm reading this, it's all very positive. So it's new fans discovering and sort of coming back to you uh, for, for a career that really hasn't stopped since uh, Mumbo Number no. 5. Yes. I mean, it, it has stopped like on the... On on the you know worldwide level, but I've been going through different countries, and you know, it it is a different. You have to understand, and my kind of music was never meant to be like on the pop scale. You know, it is not like modern music in in, in that way. Mama Number no. Five was just successful because we had that synthy sound in it. You know, it was more or less meant as like a blend between yeah, music, the musical world, you know, and uh, and the pop world, but. Yeah, absolutely astonishing, yeah. With uh, the album I just said, a little bit of 80s, uh, lots of covers on here, Smooth Operator, Come On Eileen, even Physical by our <laughs> very own uh, Olivia Newton-John. Oh, I mean, how how hard is it to choose just 13 songs from a, from a decade that produce such amazing music? Oh, absolutely, absolutely right. It's, it's too hard. It's impossible. And once I started to, to tap in, and you have to know, the 80s were also, also my decade, you know. I was... Um, Five five years old when it started with the eighties, and fifteen when when uh, the eighties in it. So my whole teenage ch- childhood life um, um, were in the eighties, took place in the eighties. So it was too hard. I've 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 um, missed out on a lot of songs, but you know when it comes to covering, you don't want to cover like songs from your heroes. Mm-hmm. You don't, and you cannot succeed. <laughs> you know that's why I wouldn't, you know, touch. Like ninety percent <laughs> of the eighty times, it was actually maybe the best decade in my lifetime. Of course, sixties, the seventies, I was too young for, so I had to go with the eighties. Would there be a potential for a follow-up on maybe nineties covers, <laughs> given your success came uh, started in the nineties? <laughs> I don't know. So you mean covering myself? Maybe you, you could do like an, uh, a two thousand and fourteen version of Mumbo Number no. Five. I don't know. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I haven't made plans on this. My next plan is coming to Australia. Yes, girl. please do. Yeah. We'd love to bring you out here. Actually, I don't know if you've ever made it down to uh, to Hobart before, no. but come down here and uh, perform down here. This is like the only continent, the only dream place that I haven't visited 
You know, I, they didn't give me a chance in, in 1999, 2000, because obviously Australia takes a lot of time to travel to <laughs> when you're coming from Europe yes. or, or the States. So the schedule was always so tight, they, they didn't let me go. So this is still one of my big plans, you know. You have a great continent right there. Mm, you've got to come out here. As I said, you went to number one here. So look, you know, we, we're overdue to receive Lou Baker, I think. Oh, yes. It was five times, five, I mean, five times... Was it? I, I don't remember. It I, was, I believe so, actually. I've got that in front of me somewhere here, and I can tell you that, uh, yes, four times platinum. Four times. What I'm reading here, yeah, on the ARIA charts. See? Yeah. Very overdue. ARIA should be flying you out here, Lou. Come on. <laughs> I take my ass to your place. <laughs> <laughs> Where's Hogarth? Is it on the coastline? Uh, we're, we're on uh, the island of Tasmania, so Ooh. we're sort of the small island under the big island. Tasmania? Yes, Tasmania. Paradise, mm. from what I've seen. We think yeah. so, we think so. We'll, uh, we'll try and organise something, Lou. We'll, uh, we'll, get something, uh, we'll get something hooked up for you. I want to ask our uh, five questions that we ask all our guests, but I actually got a couple of listeners actually sent in a couple of questions, which I'll just ask. Now, one of our listeners, Todd, Ask a question, which I'm sure you've probably been asked this about a thousand times over the last 15 or so years. Uh, which of the girls that you mentioned in Mumbo Number no. 5 is your favourite? What's my favourite? It used to be Sandra. It used to be Sandra in the sun. That's why I put her in the sun. Um, you know, but maybe you guys didn't know. I just got married now, um, like right. in January. Congratulations. So no more Monica, no more Sandra, no more... Jennifer or whatever, nah, it's just Ginny now, forever. Right. Is there a, a song that maybe you could say that Ginny all night long instead of Mary all night long? <laughs> yes, I'm trying to write that one. <laughs> and it must be a sincere one. <laughs> yes, I think so. And uh, Carly actually also asked, thanks Carly for this question, uh, what did you think of the Bob the Builder version of Mumbo Number no. 5 released a couple of years after your version? Oh, yes. Actually, I like it very much, but... These guys never ever, you know, I mean, Bob the Builder kind of stole that song and never even, you know, paid anything to our collection right. of people. So I can't give him too much love. No. Even though he's a cute little fella, he, he's been involved in some thievery, so, you know. <laughs> him alongside Aria owe you some money. <laughs> exactly, man. I'm calling you out, Bob. I'm getting you wherever you go. You're hiding. I'm coming at you. Even if you're somewhere in the hills around Tasmania, I'm getting you. <laughs> Come on, Bob. Come on. Get the money to Lou. Get him out to Australia. Now, I'll wrap it up with these five questions quickly, Lou. Now, one of these questions actually uh, already been answered, uh, believe it or not, in this, uh, this uh, interview, which never really happens. Question number one, Lou Baker, what is your favorite type of cheese? My favorite type of cheese? Mm. Uh, okay. Good question. Very good question. I like the gorgonzola. Yes. But only on pizza. Mm -hmm. Then um, the edama. <laughs> okay. I haven't heard of that one before, I don't think. Yes. And there's like a bagel cheese yeah. from Australia. Yes. Yes. Very uh, popular area of Australia. Great cheese. Yes, so yes. Um, <laughs> it's spreading the world. I like that. Uh, question number two. Now, we had a... We had an advertising campaign in this country a couple of years ago, Lou, that asked people, when they went to the bathroom, do you fold or scrunch your toilet paper? So, do you fold or scrunch your toilet paper? Fold or scrunch my toilet paper? I am a folder, I would say. Folder. Good. Yeah. Intelligent people yes. fold. I like to hear that. Uh, question number three. Uh, growing up, who was your childhood celebrity crush? Oh, Yes. Um, Marilyn Monroe. Ah, yes. yes. I must admit, I fell in love with one of her appearances 
black and white movie, of course, like many, you know, I was like seven or eight, and I was very, very, very smitten. Mm-hmm. Yes, as a lot of people <laughs> so, were. You went to that answer straight away. I like it when a person knows straight away that who they who they like. Yeah, really. <laughs> uh, now, no question lie. number four, you already answered. Now, we usually ask, what did you want to be when you grew up? So you've already sort of answered that one. Uh, the final question, Lou Vega, what is your worst habit? Oh, my goodness. So many. So many. My worst habit is maybe in the morning um, when I wake up, I, I, I need a lot of time to get my engine going. So don't talk to me for like at least 20 minutes. It's like, I would call it it's a habit because I think I could break it somehow. Yep. Yep. So for others, it is like the worst part <laughs> of being with me in the morning. I, uh, <laughs> I agree. Get some coffee, maybe some breakfast. 20 minutes later, you're awake. But in that period... Just don't come near me. Mm-mm. No, no. Nah. Don't, start a, don't start a war. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Of course, Lou's latest album, as I mentioned, a little bit of 80s, available now. You can get it online via iTunes or even via Amazon. And more information on Lou can be found at www.lou-bega.com. Lou, huge pleasure to have you here on the show, mate. Best of luck for the future. And we sincerely hope to see you in Australia sometime soon. Thank you very much for having me in Australia. I love you. And, um, you know, I will see you before the end of time i'm i'm very sure i will i'll do my best so see you soon and it's time now to wrap it all up for another week i don't know what this girl is doing she's showing me her bum apparently can you like fart right now so we can get it on, on microphone i put it up to her bum and nothing happened um, I guess we're wrapping it up with me talking to the back of Mallory's head. So let's uh, create some music right now. That's a sheep here in New Zealand that if you press it, it does the haka because, you know. Yep. And what have you got? She has a Tasmanian devil and is... Is, is that how Tasmanian devils go? There needs to be a video that goes along with this. I could be famous. Just like this show, no one would actually pay attention to it. Yeah. Um, no. Thank you for joining us again. It's always been, once again, fulfilling and, and delightful and just filled with content that is just dying to be listened to. Stop hitting me with a Tasmanian devil. That's a racist offence. Do you remember when I first gave when I, when I bought that for you? Yes. 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 Okay. Uh, like us on Facebook. Follow us on uh, Twitter. Subscribe all the relevant channels. Like us. Uh, love us. Do it. Yes. Do as you're told. Yes. This one's gonna go have a shower because she smells. And we <laughs> will be back next week with more goodness to do. <laughs> Stop it. Um, this has been the break as per usual. Keep oh. sucking those oranges, Hobra Cargill, and good night. <laughs>